we continue on in Mark's gospel this morning, we are in chapter 13, reading verses 9 through 13 in this continuing narrative of the Olivet Discourse. <clears throat> chapter 13, verses 9 through 13. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let's pray. Our Father, we We hear these words and we ask that the Spirit would preserve each of us to the end, that we would endure to the end in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we know that the enemy is real and it is strong in this world, but it cannot defeat the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior, and what he has done for us in, on the cross and in the, his resurrection. Bless us, preserve us in the truth of thy gospel. In Christ's name, amen. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they have asked Jesus for a sign when the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem is going to take place. That's in verse 4 of chapter 13. Jesus does not provide an exact date. Rather, Jesus tells them, not to be led astray by false messiahs, nor alarmed with concerning the rumors of wars, as well as events such as earthquakes and famines. Christ says that these are only the beginning of the birth pains of the last hour in God's plan for the present creation. Furthermore, Christ not only demands that they not be led astray, 
But now in our text, he demands them to be on their guard for what is going to happen to them in this hour. He maps this out, and it is not, as we can see from our text this morning, it is not a bed of roses. In fact, after listening to Jesus' comments here in verses 9 through 13, ask yourself if you would be anxious for these circumstances to happen to you. Perhaps we are all thinking right now, if this is going to happen to me, I'm out of here. After all, these disciples may be thinking, what happened to the question we asked about when the destruction of the temple is going to take place? Is Jesus ever going to answer that question? Well, not right now. Instead, Christ addresses the apostolic ministry of these future apostles under three very sobering headings. First of all, persecution by the Jews and the Romans, verses 9 and 11. Secondly, the proclamation of the good news to all nations, which will be accompanied with being in various courts of trial. Herein they will be supported by the Holy Spirit, verses 10 and 11. Then thirdly, the endurance in their faith through the serious divisions that will occur within the family for the sake of Christ's name, verses 12 and 13. Well, let us begin with the persecutions that are outlined there in verse 9 and verse 11. Herein Christ tells the disciples that in the future, when he is not present with them, they must be on guard. In the previous section to repeat, Christ told them that they will need to be alert concerning those who wish to lead them astray as false messiahs, verse 5 of chapter 13. In this section, Christ tells these future apostles that they will have to be on guard. They must be on the lookout. That's what they must be in verse 9. Why? Because those who are apostate and barren of true religion are going to deliver the apostles over to the Jewish councils and they will be beaten. They will be beaten in the synagogues. It is not a question of whether this may happen or not happen. Christ is saying that it will happen. Christ underlines this twice. Their deliverance into the hostile setting is a definite future action that is going to occur in their life as they present the gospel to the nations, verses 9 through 11. Furthermore, they will not only be brought before the Jewish councils and synagogues, but they will stand before the Roman Gentile governors and kings, all for the sake of Christ. 
That is for bearing witness to the true evidence of the gospel that is only found in Christ's redemption for sinners. Indeed, Christ alone is the Son of Man who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Although at this time, these disciples do not understand the foundation of the path of persecution, they will look back upon these words from their Savior as the way to being saved, if we think here of verse 13 as well. Indeed, Christ's own walk to the cross is the foundation of their own future persecution. Note, Christ speaks of these disciples being delivered over to persecution in verses 9 and 11. The same Greek word for being delivered over here in verse 9 and 11 will appear 10 times, 10 times concerning Christ's own march to the cross in chapters 14 and 15. Christ is going to take this path of persecution prior, prior to these disciples for their salvation and the salvation of the elect from all the nations, if you look down to verse 20. Although it is not settled into their minds and their hearts at this point, Christ has clearly mapped out his own path of persecution to the cross with the same Greek word recorded in chapter 10, verses 33 through 34. We know that text. We have repeated that text constantly in terms of the road of Christ to the cross in connection to the discipleship aspect of the gospel. Those verses read, the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him, and after three days, he will rise. The ministry of the apostles is going to take the same path in this world as Christ's path to the cross. Notice even the sequence that Christ predicted concerning his own path is before the Jewish courts, then the Gentile courts. Chapter 10, verse 33. So likewise, it will be for the apostles, as you can see, as he outlines here in our text in verse 9, from the Jewish courts to the Gentile courts. The cross and the path to the cross is the key to understanding the good news in a world that is hostile to God and the gospel. Indeed, the hostile world enjoys their pleasure in sin. They really embrace their union with Adam's sin. They despise anyone to tell them to repent of their sin. 
They love their sin. They love their own life of rebellion. They want to destroy anyone who confronts their own arrogance and pride. They hate the righteousness and holiness of God in all their actions. They have great joy in delivering Christ to the cross. And they will have great joy in delivering the disciples turned apostles to a life of carrying their own cross as a follower of Christ. The cost of discipleship is mapped out by their Savior, by our Savior, in which the apostles, our lives in the church, must be willing to follow. Indeed, Christ's pathway to the cross is is the foundation for the apostles and for Christ and for the church's path of carrying their own crosses. Congregation, many Christians just want to focus on what Christ did for them on the cross in terms of his wonderful and everlasting triumphant saving work of cleansing all our sins away. What a joy that is. What a joy to know that in each of our hearts. But many, however, stop right there without wishing to comprehend what the cost is for being committed to Christ's work on the cross in their own daily life. The full scope of being a follower of Christ is clearly accented in Mark's gospel. From the words of Christ himself, the path, the advance of the gospel and the church in the world will take on the pattern of Christ's path of suffering for the sake of bringing all his elect into his presence. Essentially, Christ is telling us, if you are not willing to suffer daily for the sake of the gospel, you cannot say that you are the follower. You are a follower of the good news. And what is the comfort and promise that Christ gives the disciples going forward after his own suffering has come to an end with his death and resurrection. He tells them that as they face their own persecution, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. Verse 11 of our text. Why? Why shouldn't they be anxious? Because just as Christ was given the words to say in his hour of being attacked. So in their hour of being attacked, the words will be given to them by the Holy Spirit. Yes, this is the ministry of Christ in the last hour, the eschatological hour of God's redemptive history. Christ's spirit will descend upon the apostles and the church to lead the children of the Lamb of God into the truth. The truth. Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Please, 
don't look at Christ's words here as some mystical trance that the apostles will be put in to speak in the spirit. That will not be their state of mind at all. Rather, at that point in their lives, the Holy Spirit will have convicted them of the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Yes, he will convict them in terms of the gospel that is found in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will put everything together for them. That is, that Christ himself is the fulfillment of the covenant of grace throughout the Old Testament. They're going to see Christ on every page of the Old Testament going forward. And they will finally understand the life of Christ and his ministry here on earth. These things will be ingrained in the apostles' minds and hearts so much that the, the words by the Spirit will flow from their mouths before their persecutors. Congregation, concerning ourselves here this morning, you have to know the religion of the Bible to present the gospel in the Bible. Do you know the religion of the Bible. Ask yourself that question. Do you wish to speak to others in the Holy Spirit? You have that ability to do so. Because the true religion in the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit. If you know the Bible, you know the instruction of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, like the apostles, you do not have to be anxious about what you are to say to those who persecute your love for the gospel. Let me encourage you this morning. Don't ever, don't ever Quit learning the religion of our holy faith in the Holy Bible written by the infallible Holy Spirit. Second, <laughs> let us look more closely to the proclamation of the good news to all the nations and into the courts of trial by the power of the Holy Spirit, verses 10 and 11. We must understand that the gospel and its movement into the world has the priority in the apostolic church. That hour has come. The troublesome verse 10 to scholars this verse is just really looked at and just seems to be so perplexed to scholars. 
appears right between the two persecution verses, verse 9 and verse 11. This unique verse that is only found in Mark's gospel seems out of place for many liberal scholars. They believe it was injected later by someone because it breaks up the continuity between verse 9 and 11. That is their thinking. However, to repeat, the reason Mark, through the Holy Spirit, places this verse between verses 9 and 11 is because it is the focus. It is to focus us upon the actual flow of Christ's encouragement to the apostles in their persecution. What is that focus? What must the apostles focus upon? The focus is the priority of the gospel. Not themselves, but the gospel which must not be lost as the good news goes to the nations through the power of the Holy Spirit. This has been the theme at the heart of Mark's gospel from its very first verse. This is the gospel of the evangelist. The very first verse the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is about to explode, <laughs> about to explode upon the world, upon the nations. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Chapter 1, verse 15, as we have remarked continually as the theme that comes through this whole gospel. Jesus has previewed that he is the good news to the nations when he went into Gentile country in chapter 5 and in chapter 7 and 8. Recall the Seraphonician woman's faith when Jesus removed her little daughter's demon and he healed the man who could not hear or speak. Remember Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ. Where? in Gentile country, in Caesarea Philippi, chapter 8, verse 29. And it is in Gentile country that Christ begins his instruction about the cost of being a disciple, chapter 8, verse 34 and following, accenting how the disciples will have to endure the Gentile world as they become the vehicle of the Holy Spirit in spreading the gospel. And recently, Christ has pronounced his judgment upon the apostate and barren religion practiced in the Jewish temple as it has become a den of robbers. In contrast, do you remember Christ's words? In contrast, in terms of that statement that he makes, that the temple has become a den of robbers. In contrast, Christ declared, quoting Isaiah 56, 7, my house shall be called, notice the future there, a house of prayer 
for all the nations. For all the nations. Chapter 11, verse 17. Keep going. We are told in the parable of the tenants that the owner of the vineyard, God the Father, is going to transfer the inheritance of the vineyard to the Gentiles as Christ will be the cornerstone of the new temple, which will include both Jew and Gentile. The Lord's sovereign plan is doing this. It is going to be so marvelous in all the eyes of those who are saved in Christ. What a blessing that the Lord Jesus Christ is our chief cornerstone. Hence, our next question is this. Has verse 10, looking at it closely, been fulfilled? Has verse 10 been fulfilled? Yes, it is has. Yes, it has. Stay in the context here of the flow of Christ's words. Christ's words are directed to these disciples and their ministry as apostles in the apostolic church. Let me first remind you of the theme of the book of Acts. It comes from Christ's own words. Christ is speaking here, verses 9 through 13, to these future apostles. Christ pronounces the theme of the book of Acts in Acts chapter 1, 8. But you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice the connection Verse 11 of our text has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judah and Samaria and to the end of the world. That is Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Where does the book of Acts end? With Paul's death? No. With Paul being in prison in Rome. The salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ has gone to what was known then as the end of the world. The capital of the Roman Empire, Rome. This point is made clearly by Paul himself at the end of his letter to the Romans, the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the mystery of the gospel from ages past, Paul says this, has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. according to the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith in Christ. Romans 16, 
25 and 26. Paul is clear. And let me remind you that Mark is writing his gospel from his position of being in Rome. He has witnessed and he presently is witnessing these prophetic words by his Savior in fulfillment in the, of the apostles' hour, the eschatological hour of the church. Now let me address one question that may be on your mind right now in terms of foreign missions with this verse 10. How does this verse work with the present missionary activity of the church? Simply put, I'll just put this in one sentence. The present missions are merely an extension of the gospel already fulfilled to the nations. But the crisis of the gospel going into the world is not done. In the third place, endurance in one's faith through the serious divisions within families will occur in Christ's name. Christ's name as the only means to be reconciled with God through repentance and faith will throw families into a crisis. And here comes that word again. Look at verse 12. Brother will what? Deliver. Here comes that Mark word again. Brother will deliver brother over to death. And it will not stop there. Father to child and children to their parents. This turmoil in the last hour is prophesied in Micah 7 and in Isaiah 66, 5. Christ has acknowledged that this crisis within homes is only the beginning of the birth pains, which were also prophesied by Micah and Isaiah. If I can invoke the famous words of Elijah on Mark, Mount Carmel, the crisis is at the doorpost of the home. Do you remember that word? You remember that word, the doorposts? In terms of Deuteronomy 6, the crisis in terms of the gospel is at the doorposts of the home. If Christ, is Christ your Lord and Savior? Or is Baal your Lord and Savior? That essentially is the crisis in the home. Death is the vehicle of hate to rid those in the family who love Christ, who despise the call to repentance and faith in Christ. The path for the apostles and the life of the church will face the exact same path which Christ took to the cross. They, we, can expect nothing different 
But once again, where is your faith? Where is your devotion to Christ? We must remember what Christ endured during his persecution on his way to the cross, as well as the treatment he received from his family, portrayed so strongly in Mark's gospel on purpose. Back in chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, and chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Christ, he endured until the end, and he was exalted to the Father's right hand. Christ secured the inheritance as the Son. In the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, the apostles and each one of us here this morning must embrace Christ's pattern for us and in our lives. If you endure to the end, if you endure to the end, our salvation will be secured in our exaltation unto the glory of Christ. We, you, will be joint heirs in his kingdom. Nothing higher can be yours, either on earth or in heaven. What glory that is. To Christ's glory, may we know that inheritance for each of us. May we endure to the end. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we ask the continual presence of your spirit, the spirit of Christ, so that we may embrace the continual blessings of the gospel. We know that we are not free from persecution, from those who give the onslaught of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we ask, O oh Lord, whether it be outside of us or within our own families, that you would give to each of us a spirit to endure in the good news of the gospel of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen.